Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Believe in Bengal podcast. Solomon Wilcox right now. Of course, we're going to talk about the Bengals' 2023 schedule. It's a great schedule. It's an exciting season that we're expecting. And one of the guys that uh, really is instrumental in helping the league to formulate all 272 games that will be played during the regular season Mike North, that's right, Vice President of Broadcast Planning for the NFL. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Sally. Good to talk to you. You know, when I talk about all those 272 games, they're going to be played uh, between 32 teams across two continents, um, across multiple time zones. It sounds like a huge undertaking. Why don't you let our fans in on some of the things that take place behind the scenes that help you guys to come up with this fabulous schedule? Yeah, look, it's a it's a monstrous mathematical exercise. I mean, you said it right. Each one of those 272 games can go in any one of 18 weeks if it's a vision game, 17 weeks if not. It could be on any one of six different networks at any one of eight different times. So you start doing the math in your head. I've been talking a lot on sort of this media tour. I'm sure everybody's sick of seeing me and hearing this story. But when you talk about a game like Bengals Chiefs, you know, you know, it's one of the top games of the year next year. So everybody's going to want to see it. So it could go on Sunday night football. It could go on Monday night football. It could be on Thursday night football. Yeah. It could be a Fox doubleheader. It could be a CBS doubleheader. It could have been kickoff. It could have been in Germany. Like <laughs> one game had that many potential landing spots. And there's trillions and trillions of schedules down each one of those different landing spots just for that one game. And you multiply that in your mind by all 272 matchups. The solution space is essentially infinite. And we're looking for that one magical, mythical, perfect schedule that satisfies all 32 teams, all six television partners. I'm not sure that schedule exists. <laughs> Judging by everybody's reaction the past 48 hours, it clearly doesn't. Um, but for the most part, it's a, you know, searching through an infinite space and trying to find the one schedule that, you know, if it doesn't make everybody happy, it at least disappoints everybody evenly. That's kind of the goal these days. Yeah, and I want you to tell our listeners and viewers a little bit more about the flex scheduling because it's not only for Sunday night football, but for Monday night football on ESPN as well. And we know that the broadcast networks love it. I think the fans love it because they're going to get a better product at the end of the year. How much do the schedule makers, how much do you guys love it? Does it give you guys a little bit more flexibility as well? Or is that one more thing that you have to weigh on the scale? Yeah, I mean, you've been doing this long enough to know. You go back a couple of years and you check the Sunday night football schedule and you might see a Sunday night game in week 15 and you might say, oh, man, what were they thinking? That one seems a little risky. You could do that knowing that you had flexible scheduling as a backstop. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, you're talking about we've been doing flex for Sunday night football since 2006. We generally only change, you know, one, maybe two games a year. Last year was a bit of an outlier. We moved, I think, four. Bengals were part of that. Yeah. Um, you know, last year was an outlier, but most years, one or two at the most for Sunday nights. For Monday nights now, first year doing that, I think it would probably be even less. We'll be a little more judicious, a little more conservative, knowing that you're asking fans to change days of the week and change travel and hotel and flights. And the teams have to change their plans with the charter and the hotel and the meeting space and the meals and everything that goes into a road game. So I think we'll be a little more conservative even for Monday night flex than we have been for Sunday night flex. And I think most fans, if you look at this year's schedule, you see the Sunday night games and the Monday night games kind of down the stretch. Yeah. It's hard to point to one right now and say, oh, they were clearly – 
you know, expecting to flex out of that one. As always, we're we're hoping to play the schedule yeah. as we released it in May. It's six months, not seven months away. None of us know who's going to be in, you know, playoff contention at that point. But it, it the schedule isn't built anymore using flex as a backstop. Flex yeah. is there just like you said for that one kind of outlier. Hey, look, we all thought these two teams were going to be good. Six yeah. months, seven months later, this game no longer has playoff implications. We're not doing those two teams any favor by leaving them yeah. in prime time. We're not doing their fans any favors, asking them to come out in the cold at night. Mm-hmm. And to your point, like asking the viewers at home to tune into a game without playoff contention when you know there's a game on Sunday afternoon at one o'clock that might otherwise only be available to 15 or 20 percent of the country recognizing a challenge for the 50 60,000 ticket holders but moving that one to Sunday night or Monday night and letting 18 or 20 million people watch a game between two teams that are going to be playing in January yeah it's better for our fans it really is I, I think the fans absolutely love it you mentioned uh the week 17 New Year's Eve game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs it's going to be the fifth time these two teams have played over the last what would be it for the third season now um and it always end with a cliffhanger you got Joe Burrow, you got Patrick Mahomes, you got two of the best teams in the AFC. Kind of liken this to the Tom Brady-Peyton Manning matchups that were in the AFC. Um, How do you guys look at it? Clearly, this is a game that all fans, all NFL fans, kind of want to see these two teams play every single year. So how did it happen that they're going to play again this year? And how did it happen that it's going to be on New Year's Eve? Yeah, you know that the the vast majority of the schedule – is based on a rotation. So teams know 14 of their 17 matchups for the next 12 years, for the next 24 years. Like they know most of their matchups. There's three standings based games. And to the extent that the chiefs and the Bengals are going to keep winning their division, or at least keep finishing in the same spot in their own divisions as each other, they're going to keep playing each other over and over again. And over any 12 year, 24 year stretch, it will balance out. So if over 12 years, by rotation and by standings, if the Bengals and the Chiefs keep winning their divisions, they'll play six times in Cincinnati, six times in Kansas City. And you said it. That's like that game is is catnip to our broadcast partners, it, for our fans. Like everybody wants to see that game when we play it. And we kind of wrestled with where's the best way to deploy that you know asset. It's one of the best yes. of the two. 72 matchups and like we said it could have been kickoff it could have been new year's eve it could have been anywhere in between on any one of the broadcast partners once we started seeing it kind of settle into week 17 in that cbs doubleheader window man with any luck that game's got serious playoff implications maybe the one seed in the conference is up for grabs yeah you're talking about 25 28 million people getting to watch that game and maybe kind of a precursor to them playing again you know, divisional or championship weekend a month later. So that was one of the things we really liked about this particular schedule, seeing a game like that kind of anchoring December for the league and for CBS. Mm-hmm. Now let's just hope that, you know, they both haven't clinched yet and nobody's gotten hurt and nobody's resting. Yes. <laughs> and there's a lot of playoff implications for that. Yeah, I was talking to some Bingo fans saying, hey, no, this is a better game played later in the season. That's when we know what it will determine, what's riding on it. It'll be so much more weighted. By coming later in the year, we're getting to Let's week so. 17. Uh, I just think it's phenomenal placement. So uh, great job per usual. I want to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Browns. That's not a team that the Bengals have fared well against as of lately. You can say what you want about the Cleveland Browns. They've been sort of kryptonite for the Cincinnati Bengals. And it's going to book in their schedule. They're going to start with the uh, Cleveland Browns at the beginning of the year, week one, and then finish off the year 
with the Cleveland Browns week 18 in the regular season. So uh, just kind of how does that come about? Because I know the Battle of Ohio is one of these games that hadn't been huge as of late, but it seems to be building into something as of lately. Yeah, I heard that this is the first time ever that those two teams are going to open and close the season with each other, which strange to me, I would have yeah. guessed at some point over the last hundred years, they would have matched up, you know, week one and, and the final weekend of the season. But I heard it's the very first time. And uh, look, week 18, as you know, all division games, this is, I think, 14 right. straight years of that. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, proven to be really conducive to keeping everybody playing for something, all those games meaning something in week 18. And even if you find yourself eliminated from playoff contention, what's the next best thing you could do is ruin a division rivals season, right? So you saw yeah. it with Detroit, you know, last year going into Lambeau, you saw it with uh, Jacksonville a couple of years ago, knocking off Indy in the final weekend. We all remember those final weekend of the season games where a division opponent kind of ruined somebody's season. So that feels right. As far as week one, kind of random, quite honestly. Yeah. We're looking at, you know, there's a kickoff game with the Chiefs. We knew Aaron Rodgers was going to be playing his first game. We knew that, you know, the Dallas Cowboys are always a big television draw in week one you've got an eagles game a bengals game like we saw schedules where the bengals were in the doubleheader window for cbs we were looking at like cincy san fran or uh cincy pitt or even baltimore cincy it just happened to work out on this spin that uh cincinnati is going to anchor the one o'clock window for cbs and people forget like we all talk about primetime appearances Mm -hmm. we all talk about the 425 eastern time window which is the most watched window of the nfl season People forget how many of our fans start their day Sunday at one o'clock Eastern watching the home team play. And that's sort of how the weekend flows. You got Thursday night, you got your home team at one, you got your doubleheader Sunday night, Monday night. So you can't take all the best inventory out of Sunday afternoons and only deploy it in prime time. So any Bengals game and any Bengals division game sure sounds like a real good one o'clock anchor, not just for CBS, but now for Fox with the new rules. Really good point made. And for the first time, what in the 104-year history of our league, we got really that primetime Black Friday game. It's become a new sort of featured window um, for the networks and for the teams that's looking to attract a lot of eyeballs. And I understand that the Cincinnati Bengals, at least, you know, every team gets to send in maybe what their preference is. But I understand they petitioned for that Black Friday game. They didn't get it. We're going to get Dolphins-Jets, which is another good matchup. Kind of walk us through how that materialized. Yeah, I I hope I wasn't speaking out of school, but um, I I was answering a question when somebody was talking about, oh, the multiple short weeks now that ownership passed that rule a month ago about how multiple teams are going to play multiple short weeks in any given season. Happened last year. Dallas and Tennessee both played you know, multiple Thursdays. And uh, we learned a lot just in terms of travel preparation, injury rates, whatever it was. And then ownership went and approved the multiple teams playing multiple short weeks. Mm -hmm. And somebody had asked me like, oh, every team in the league must hate that. And in fact, when the Bengals volunteered, when they raised their hand for Black Friday, at that time, they knew it would have meant a second short week. So using it to illustrate that You know, I think the teams recognize that multiple short weeks are going to happen and it's going to move around like any other, you know, call it bad luck. But Mm -hmm. whether you're playing internationally or you catch a three game road trip or you have a early buy or you start the season in Florida when it's 110 or finish the season in Lambeau when it's negative three. Like there's always something a club is going to look at their schedule and say, all right, well, that's Mm going to be a challenge. Hopefully the same challenge doesn't manifest itself year over year. So to the extent that the Bengals were uh, a volunteer for Black Friday, 
there were a lot of clubs in the league that were said they were willing to host that game. It's going to be interesting. It's our first time trying it. It's going to be on Amazon. It's going to be in front of the paywall. So you don't need an Amazon Prime subscription. So I think we'll find out the same way we have over the years with Thanksgiving and Christmas and other holidays. Our fans will tell us, you know, is this a NFL window where you feel really good about, you know, sitting down for three hours in front of the television, hopefully with the family? Or are we going to be all busy shopping and at the mall and uh, online? But if you're online, you're on Amazon anyway. That's, so that's right. click here to check out. Click here to watch the uh, Dolphins-Jets game. We'll, we'll learn a lot. I'm, I'm sure the Bengals will end up hosting a Black Friday game somewhere in the not-too-distant. Well, that, that's always good news. That game is going to take place at 3 p.m. Eastern time on Black Friday, the biggest shopping day of the year, one day after Thanksgiving. I've been telling everyone, I think it's just been a perfect marriage between the NFL and Amazon and Amazon Prime. You can watch the game and still do your Christmas shopping because most of it is done online. May even get your packages later that night. Right. <laughs> that's right. Maybe even by halftime. Hey, I want to talk to you about four games in prime time. Um, a lot of Cincinnati Bengals fans, they were some were predicting six, some five, some four. Any rhyme or reason of how how that might uh, materialize? Yeah, the way we work both with our teams and with our network partners is we sort of work on a minimum and maximum basis by package by team. So when you tell the computer early in the process, look, we know the Bengals are going to be there. We know they're good. We know our fans care. You can see how the ratings have started to tick up over the years, how the Bengals find themselves deployed in more national windows, more primetime windows. So when we met with our network partners all the way back in February, they all walked in, you know, waving their list of top games. The Bengals were all over those lists. So, you know, we're going into the schedule saying, look, the Bengals twice on Sunday night football on NBC, twice on Monday night football on ESPN, maybe twice on Amazon. Now that we have that flexibility, we have that opportunity. So to a certain extent, you know, you can max out at six. They absolutely could have gotten there if they'd have maxed out on each of their packages. This particular spin, you know, I think, like you said, they landed at five, but you also have to throw in, you know, the 425 windows. I know there's been a lot of focus these last, you know, two days on who got the primetime games, but People forget those 425 Eastern time windows. That's actually the most viewed window. You're talking about 26, 28 million people watching games on Sunday afternoon at 425. Those windows are are maybe even more desirable than the primes because you don't end up having to, you know, wait all the way till midnight to load up the trucks and get on the plane and get home. You still get that national audience. Your fans can still follow you in a big window, but you don't have to lose those extra five, eight hours of prep time for next week because next week gets here quick now. And like you were talking about, you've got the Thursdays, you've got the multiple Mondays, you've got Sunday afternoons, you've got Sunday mornings. I mean, the the routine of Sunday at one o'clock week after week after week has, has kind of dissipated, especially for the teams like the Bengals that are enjoying some success. So did they max out completely in prime time? No, but you throw in those Sunday afternoons and they've got as many national appearances as anybody. In my 16 seasons of calling games for CBS, loved calling games in that 4 p.m. Eastern time window. I can still hear, um, you know, the producer in my ear saying, you've got the whole country because they could end up bringing the entire country to you for many of those games. And I think if you're calling a Bengals game in that 4 p.m. window, we call it the Joe Burrow effect, right? Yeah, it's like true. he brings a lot of a lot of eyeballs with him. There is no doubt. Um, Mike, help us to understand, at least our listeners, um, for so long in the National Football League, the, the um, broadcast packages, particularly on Sundays, have been divided by conference between the two networks, uh, either the CBS games all going 
um, are on the AFC side and then the NFC games going to Fox, you're no longer going to divide the games up by the networks. They all go into one hopper. They're like all free agents and they're going to start picking, picking games. This, I think we'll probably evenly distribute all those quarterbacks that you see on the AFC side. <laughs> I'm sure the Fox network is really happy to have some of those quarterbacks now on their network. Yeah, it's interesting. We, we've we had this notion of cross flex where you could take an AFC game and put it on Fox or an NFC game and put it on CBS. We've had that for the last six or eight years. And, and you hit on right on the head. It, it was actually with an eye towards trying to get some of those bigger market NFC teams over to CBS, not so much because CBS needed the help, but more because on a Sunday afternoon, you know, you've been here, you, you're calling a really good game, but you know, you're only available in 15, 20% of the country. Cause there's so many other games going on at that time. And so you might find yourself with like the third or fourth best game on one network really only being distributed to a really small kind of regional footprint. Right. Whereas if you could have kind of unlocked it from that side, moved it to the other guys, maybe you can get that game into 60, 70% of the country, get more eyeballs on a game with a team that has played their way into primetime, kind of like the Bengals have done lately. So what we've done over the years is sort of unlock this ability to take a NFC versus NFC game and move it to CBS or a AFC, AFC game and move it to Fox. Now with the new media deals that kicked in this season, you said it right. All the games are toss-ups. All the game are jump balls. And then we can kind of really think strategically about what's the best way to use each one of these assets so that our fans can see the games they care about. Maybe the best example is you think about uh, Thanksgiving Day. You know, it's Washington-Dallas. That just yeah. sounds like a Fox game. It sounds like a Madden Summerall game That's forever. Right. That game's on CBS. So being able to play a Washington-Dallas game on CBS on Thanksgiving, you know, the kind of flexibility that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And you've got like a Giants-Washington game anchoring a one o'clock window for CBS. You're kind of moving them back and forth and really trying to figure out the best way on a week-by-week -week basis to make sure the fans can see the games they want to see. There is no doubt to make sure that those uh, big market games get more evenly distributed across the networks. But more importantly, that more fans can see the really big games as they begin to materialize. Sometimes yeah. you show up, don't think the game's going to be that big. And as it becomes bigger, you can distribute that game more broadly. I think this is an excellent way of managing it. Uh, one last question before we let you go. Uh, how important are those quarterbacks? I just mentioned on the AFC side, there are a lot of really good quarterbacks, some teams that are headlined but by really top drafted quarterbacks that are performing at a very high level. When you look at those games, you know the broadcast networks, they want to get those quarterbacks' visibility. Those quarterbacks really draw a lot of ratings. Kind of talk to us about how those players are distributed and how we want to get eyeballs on those guys as well as making sure that those games um, get into the markets that are deserving. Yeah, it's, it's a continued transition, if you will, uh, of the scheduling process for a long time most of these decisions, most of these scheduling decisions were kind of made on gut and feel. And whether it was, you know, Val Pinchback all the way back in the day or right. Dennis Lewin, Glenn Adamo, Howard Katz, who's been doing it for the last 15 years. There's been so much of, oh, that just sounds like a football game or that feels like a football game. Never want to dismiss that kind of gut feel and instinct because it's worked really well for the NFL, of course. But, 
you know, adding a little bit more math, a little bit more science, a little bit more predictive analytics to the process. If you're going to search through an infinite solution space and find the magical, mythical best schedule, you're going to have to have some math and science behind it. And so we work with a lot of outside partners and analytics companies. There's a company out of Boston called Recentive Analytics that we do a lot of work with where they kind of take a look at every team and every really matchup and they think about how much do the fans care? They yeah. tell us every time, right? The fans tell us every time they interact with the NFL, whether they turn on the television and they get counted by Nielsen, they go online and they download a video on NFL.com or follow a player on Instagram or buy a ticket on the secondary market or place a legal yeah. sports bet on a team. Like they're telling us every day what they care about and what they care about are the quarterbacks. There's no two ways around it. And there just <laughs> yeah. seems to be this incredible glut of really good young talent at the quarterback position in the AFC right now. And so maybe the balance of power has shifted a little bit. It does two things though. One, it makes every game more interesting. Like you said, we could have picked any Bengals game and put it on national television. Yeah. Their odds are they're going to be playing a, a good young quarterback in that conference. The other thing it does is it makes it really hard for, you know, like a dynasty to emerge. Like it's really hard to get out of the AFC now because there's so many good quarterbacks and you know yes. when you get to January, you're going to run into one every single week. So it, it, it's just further highlights what the Chiefs have been able to do. It's the reason the Chiefs find themselves all over the national television schedule. But when you think about the Chiefs and maybe the Cowboys really at that upper echelon, man, half a tick down, half a tick down. You're talking about the Bills, the Bengals, the Eagles, the Niners. That's really, you know, that upper echelon. And and it has a lot, of course, to do with the quarterback position. Well, there's no doubt. And Joe Burrow being in a small market, but then to rate as very high as some of the big market teams, that's a huge uh, economic boon for uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. And we want to thank you, Mike, for stopping by to share your knowledge with us. You dropped some really big names in the world of television that you and I know very well. Val Pinchback and Denny Lewin, um, just love him to pieces. And our good friend Howard Katz and Glenn Adama, one of the best people you could ever work with. So I want to thank you for remembering them on this Believe in Bingo podcast. I want to thank you for stopping by to join us. Greatly appreciate you. My absolute pleasure. Been very, very lucky to get to work with all those gentlemen that I know you know. And none of us should ever forget those names. The reason we're here, the reason people even care yeah. about you know schedule release and i'm sure they're sick of hearing from me these past few days but i could talk about this all day and it's a testament to you know the path that those guys set for us and uh look it, it's worked out really well i we're never going to get it exactly right but we're going to keep trying and and it's uh really protecting the legacy of those guys who did it for a really long time and and we all kind of owe our jobs to them so kudos to them kudos to you thanks for having me on always happy to talk to you thanks mike you're the best and they're smart men because they hired guys like you <laughs> <laughs> thank you my Appreciate friend Appreciate you, my friend all Take the care, best bye-bye thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.